0: Here at the Excel Center in downtown Hartford, Connecticut, where the score up to two is UConn, two Merrimack, nothing. I'm Mike Macknick with John Leahy. This is the second intermission report brought to you by Merrimack Graduate School, where at Merrimack you can earn your master's degree in just one year. Merrimack offers graduate programs in business, science and engineering, and education and social policy log on to merrimackedu backslash graduate today for all the details mike mcmahon joins us here from the mac college hockey news the eagle tribune as well uh mike can you feel the
1: air a little thinner up here uh, up here with the radio booth and at the excel center I uh, I hope you guys are okay with heights because <laughs> I knew it was high. I saw some pictures. I realized. I mean, we're above the banners, way above the scoreboard. Uh, but but above the banners, I mean, this is as high as. I mean, yeah, you're up at the ceiling. You're you're literally as high as you can get in this building, I think. All
0: right, Mike. Two periods of play here. Same old story, I think, for the Warriors. As through the last three games, you're now talking about five straight periods here at the Excel Center without a goal. You're talking about two, or rather three, three games plus two. Two periods with only a single goal and being outscored twelve to one and uh, certainly doesn't help as, as we said, you know, the, the absence of uh Sini Hennig and, and Tibbet. But that's not the reason why. I mean you should be able to have enough other production coming from other guys. They're just not able to
1: get the bucket in the net. Uh, yeah, I mean that's been the story here for the last couple games for sure. And yeah, I think they've done—I I thought they've done a better job tonight uh, of getting traffic and getting pucks and bodies to the net. You know, really the killer there—it seemed in the second period was those penalties because not i mean they were controlling the game, a lot of the possession and a lot of the shots. I mean, look at the shot—the shots on goal before those penalties. I think it was eighteen-eight before those penalties, so that means UConn outshot them thirteen to one over the last half of that second period, mostly due to the penalty. So at five-on-five, five, I think they've been okay. They still have an the score, but not only did those penalties result in a power play goal, it just seemed like it killed all momentum because for the most part, they, they were getting the better of the chances in the first 20 minutes, even though UConn had that goal, uh, I thought they were getting the better of the chances and, and those four straight penalties essentially have just killed the momentum. So what's going to change here to turn it around? I mean, it's been going on for several
0: games now. It's not anything new, but the inability to score goals uh, really killed them last year, and it's happening even earlier this season.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I know I had a question earlier this week uh, about what would you do with that senior line at this point because no one's been scoring, and and, uh, so maybe it's not fair to single them out. But, uh, you know, do do you try to make some changes just with the lineup just to try to spark something? And, uh, you know, they did make some changes tonight. I mean, that senior line stayed together. And my my answer to that question, by the way, was no, I'd keep them together because they are all. Seniors, and uh, I, I think that there's there's a history there. They played together in juniors. Uh, they played together here at Merrimack for a long time. I, I think those get that those three will figure it out because they they've been together and have done it. Uh, but they did make some changes tonight. Whether it's you know, I know Hampus Gustafson moving to the wing. Uh, at times, I remember his freshman year, uh, Coach Jenny had said that they 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 moved him back and forth. Uh, but when they would move him to the wing, it was an effort to spark him a little bit offensively, take some of the defensive responsibilities away. Uh, so I, I, I want, I, I'm assuming, and we'll ask him after the game. I don't know if you guys did pregame, but that's probably part of, of that mindset there to get to get him on the left wing instead of center, try to free him up offensively. And he did have a good look there in the first. But uh, it, it's probably just it just uh, what can you do other than lineup stuff, really? Uh, you know, I know uh, I know he talked after the Providence game on Saturday of of needing to play the guys that, that deserved to play. He thought he had some guys that worked really hard and some guys that just didn't and wanting to play the guys that he thought deserved the ice time and i think that's really all you can do i mean that's the one tool you have as a coach in your lineup Talking with Mike McMahon from the MacReport.com and the Eagle Tribune, of
0: course, also College Hockey News. With a Merrimack trailing UConn two to nothing here in the second intermission, and Mike, I guess you know, Big Ten story continues to develop. Uh, comments last night from Jeff Jackson, very interesting. He's uh, supportive of the measure, the measure which would change effectively the age in which uh, uh, players are allowed to be. You you know, currently, you could commit at age 21 and and, uh, and and not lose any eligibility. But uh, if this change goes through. It would effectively force uh, force players to, uh, you know, only you know, they only have two years. Really, uh, it's not the players; it's the schools more so. I think that it would force to, uh, and, and this is one of the things I think we're hearing more and more that, you know, you know, from some of the coaches, and I think Jeff Jackson may have alluded to it as well. You know, putting it hand in hand with the the uh, over over committing of, of a large number of players, and you had some some uh, tweets about that today.
1: Yeah, I mean, over-committing is certainly an issue. I mean, you, you, it's pretty clear. You, you see it. I mean, I think Dartmouth, uh, ironically, two Ivy League schools, Dartmouth and Harvard, have 23 players committed over the next three years, maybe four years. I mean, you're really not committing kids past four years. So they think are 23 commit, kids committed over the next three to four years, uh, and a lot of them scheduled to come in, at least right now, if you look at some recruiting websites, scheduled to come in over the next one or two. And that's what, what's happening a lot. You'll see teams that will over-recruit, And then either push kids off and try to bring them in later, or uh, just flat out cutting kids. And I mean, we've seen that a couple of times. I mean, I know the example I used was Liam Coughlin, uh, who's at Vermont now. He's played at Catholic Memorial. He was committed to UMass. Then he uh, was committed to BU, and then. Was after that was committed to UVM, I don't think he changed his mind three times. Uh, yeah, uh, there was probably something in play there, and, and you, you do see it. I mean, you, whether, whether it's teams uh, cutting kids after their freshman or sophomore years, or asking kids to go back to juniors, uh, it, it is an issue. I'm not sure that this fixes it, but uh, I did tweet earlier today, and I, and I think Jeff Jackson, if you're in favor of the legislation, Jeff, ja- Jeff Jackson pro- probably made uh, the best case that I've seen or heard. Uh, I, I still don't agree with it, because I don't think it solves the issue, but he certainly made the best case of uh, of anyone that's been in favor so far.
0: I think we do have to look at this hand-in-hand hand with that whole question. I mean, I think that that's got something to do with it, uh, and that, that they are trying to effectively fight back against what they're seeing as that over-committing of players and, and, you know, in schools, effectively stockpiling recruits and then picking and choosing the ones that they want.
1: Yeah, and that is the problem. I mean, it, it would be a bigger problem, I think, if everyone adhered to the gentleman's agreement, uh, Whereas if you verbally commit a player, no other school is going to talk to that player? Is it as big of an issue because nobody's really following that anymore? I I don't know. Uh, I get the feeling, you know, hearing from some of the coaches that that's part
0: of it too. Why, as as far I don't think it's a a, you know a coincidence that the coaches who seem to be for this Big Ten rules change also seem to be against the gentleman's
1: agreement. I think they go hand in hand. Oh, so do I. So do I. Yeah, and I think uh, you know the gentleman's agreement is a a funny one. I did a story on it last year, and. so, I mean, I, I know that there's some schools that follow, it. uh, and it's pretty clear. I think certain schools, like Merrimack, for example, from talking to Kroscheni, he does. And, and I think, you, and by the way, I think most schools follow it. Kind
0: of like, I wouldn't be surprised if it breaks down very, very closely to that 48 or 49 to 11 uh,
1: straw poll on the Big Ten. Uh, yeah, I, I think Not exactly, be, but but somewhat. <laughs> I think it's probably a little more, uh, just because you know I do think there are some teams that, uh, just from what we been doing that story last year, that said that they follow it, but then you, you look at their practices and it's like, wow. You know the evidence isn't there. Uh, you know, and, and not just calling schools. You know, not calling schools out here, but I, I think there's probably enough that don't follow it that uh, it, it's not really existed anyway. Uh, so, is over over recruiting a problem if teams really can talk to any verbal commit they want because most most of the bigger teams I think are doing that anyway. I mean, BC and Minnesota have come out on record. I think Wisconsin, dude, flat out saying we're not gonna we're gonna recruit to the NLI and. Uh, I give Don Lucia sort of started this with the Big Ten it seems like he's the one that proposed it originally within the league but you can be upset with him for that, and I don't don't agree with his reasoning. But I, I did. I, I've said this too. I give him credit for being honest. I mean, he's he's flat out, and he's said in interviews that they, they're recruiting to the national letter of intent. If a kid's committed, they'll ask uh, how firm that commitment is to a kid if they're still interested in him. Uh, and he's also come out and flat out said that in part he was doing this this Big Ten legislation to help protect his program. So at least he's being upfront and honest with people. All right, Mike. Is there a coaches show on Tuesday? Uh, as far as I know, yes. Uh, that it could change with. Uh, the college shutting down here for the holidays, but as far as I know, yes.
0: All right, so stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm not sure if Mike will have Mark Denny back in the studio. Bill Gilligan was in studio last week, but stay tuned to the MacReport.com for that, as well as all of Mike's coverage, and it'll be in the Eagle Tribune tomorrow as well. Mike, thanks so much. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll talk to you next week against Canisius.
1: Sounds good. i got to go climb back down here. All right. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so make sure that
0: uh, it's, it's kind of like when you scuba dive and you come back up, you got to go very slowly, so, you yeah. know, with the air and all, but uh, thanks for coming up. We appreciate it. Thanks. All right, Mike, we Man, our guest here in a second intermission. UConn leads Merrimack two to nothing. Back after this. This is Warrior Hockey.